backwards subtext. Thank you, Caroline, and thanks to anyone listening. This is TVDJK, the show that's for us to host and for you to dot, dot, dot. With me is Jack, a.k.a. J. And you are Kale, a.k.a. K. And today we are talking about Chapter 4, The Plan, uh, which contains uh, Season 1, Episode 8, 162 Candles, Season 1, Episode 9, History Repeating, and Season 1, Episode 10, The Turning Point. Uh, as you can tell, or as you could tell from the thumbnail and from our speaking voices so far, it's just Kale and I today. We have been, we've talked a bit about how we wanted to have as many guests as possible, but uh, I mean, we're busy right now and pretty much everyone else is, so it was hard getting someone and, you know, I mean, we're probably going to have this problem for some of the later seasons too, so I think that every once in a while, maybe more than every once in a while, we can just take it on, just the two of us, and I think it should be fine. Hopefully we can drum up some more interest, because like you and I were talking about how pretty much every podcast we listen to, we want to be a guest on, yes. <laughs> but I guess it, it's it's a different type of person, and also it's something that seems a lot more intimidating than it is. I mean, we're yeah. always nervous. I mean, I'm still like a little bit nervous be- before recording this, and we've been doing it for, you know, three episodes now, so it's just... Never something that really gets 100% comfortable. Yeah. Maybe it does after a long, long time. But I would say if you if there's even a little bit of you that wants to try it, then try it out. Because not only because we want guests, but also because it is kind of a great thing to try out. And it teaches you about the way you speak. And I don't know. It's been a good experience overall. Aside from just the getting to discuss my favorite show part. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think it'll be fun, just you and I today, but also love when we have guests and hope to fill some of those slots as as soon as we can. Yes, I know. So we'll have the next few are pretty much locked down. Uh, And I know uh, Sandra would totally have wanted to come on this one again, but as I'm sure is also the case with many of you, she is deep in finals hell right now so i totally get it i mean this was actually the the turning point was like kind of the episode we bonded over because of all the stelena stuff and everything but um but yeah i mean not everyone is some people want to do it and aren't available some people just don't want to do it and you know it's fine yeah it's whatever and yeah so again i mean you mentioned it i'm also excited for it to just be us today and we can talk about uh, this is where season one is at its best for me until um, it gets later on. I think the end is also really strong. Yeah. But I'm really excited to talk about these episodes. Yeah, these episodes are so good. Like rewatching them. I mean, I just messaged Jack like five minutes before we started this and yes, said, he did. <laughs> "Like episode ten is so damn good." <laughs> like it just it surprises me every time. Yeah, so, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read my summaries live this time. Uh, As you may have been able to tell from the recording, I didn't actually do it while we were recording live. I did it later because I forgot. So now I'm going to do them uh, live for your enjoyment. And no one has complained about these yet, so I'm going to continue doing them. And 
I hope they're at least tolerable. I've said that before, but, you know, <laughs> I care about my audience. Yeah, I mean, I like them better than just the episode recap type stuff that they show, <laughs> so. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's a low bar, honestly. But <laughs> All right, here we go. In 162 Candles, Stefan's oldest and best friend Lexi comes to visit him on his birthday. They're all set to have a decidedly unstephanly night of fun out on the town, even after a misunderstanding leads to some jealousy from Elena at the party Caroline throws at the grill at the behest of Damon. After Bonnie tells her that she's a witch, Elena is also still conflicted about being with Stefan, but she shows up at the party anyway, and Lexi works her wingwoman magic to get the Stelena train rolling again. Damon wants Caroline to get Emily's necklace back from Bonnie, and when she fails, he verbally abuses her yet again, then tops off his day of unflinching virtue by setting a trap for Lexi and then killing her, just to throw the council off his trail. Just like that, the train is derailed again as Stefan goes into code red martyr mode, but Elena does convince him to spare Damon's life. At least, that's the explanation he gives. While Matt stays the night with a drunk and distraught Caroline, Bonnie has her first of many nightmares starring none other than her ancestor Emily. This episode features the first appearances of Ariel Kebble as Lexi Branson, to whom we also say goodbye, and Bianca Lawson as Emily Bennett. Bonnie's nighttime torments continue in history repeating with a series of surreal dreams in which Emily asks for her help. While Stefan continues to obnoxiously self-flagellate in response to Elena making the ridiculous request of open communication, Damon takes matters into his own hands to get the crystal threatening Bonnie to her face at school, where a mysterious newcomer has taken over the open history teacher position. Later, Stefan tries to butter up his brother for some answers under the guise of a boy's night out, eventually learning that Catherine was spared in the church tomb and Damon plans to retrieve her. And Elena, Bonnie, and Caroline have a seance that ends in Emily violently possessing Bonnie's body. Stefan, Damon, and Elena all follow Emily to the ruins of Fell's church, where despite Damon's desperate pleas, she destroys the crystal. Emily's spirit departs and Damon attacks a confused Bonnie out of anger. At the end, everyone is crying. Elena and Bonnie, as the former, tells the latter the truth. Stefan, as he reaps the consequences of a problem he created. Damon, as he loses hope in his search for Catherine. Everyone except Matt and Caroline, who are chowing on down on junk food and living their best lives. <laughs> the cliffhanger arrives in the form of a vampirized Logan Scumfell back from the dead and out for blood. And this episode marks the first appearance of future on-and-off series regular Alaric Saltzman, portrayed by he who shall not be named. <laughs> the turning point picks up right where the previous episode left off, with Logan trying and failing to get Jenna to invite him in, and then preying on a passing runner. Jeremy finds inspiration in his ancestor Jonathan's journal and starts to get back into sketching, which cheers Elena up, but not enough to compensate for Stefan's insistence on leaving and the news that a new vampire is in town. Damon enlists Caroline to use the compass to track down their new problem, but Logan gets the jump on him and shoots him with wooden bullets before heading to the career fair at the high school. There, while Caroline decides she wants to be a broadcast journalist, Jeremy and Tyler once again channel their mutual sexual frustration into violence and are unsettlingly encouraged by dismal dad Dick, who in turn gets dunked on by Papa Barrel Arik. Logan gets his revenge on Liz for her cover-up of his death by abducting Caroline, a plan quickly foiled by Stefan and Damon, but the latter allows Logan to escape after he reveals he knows another way to open the tomb, and is ostensibly willing to share this information until he is staked by Alaric. Elena tells Stefan she loves him and they have sex for the first time, but the night is ruined when she finds the portrait of Catherine and learns the truth. Everyone knows you shouldn't drive when you're upset, but the last thing you want to do when you're upset is remain in the place that made you upset, 
and so Elena drives anyway, but doesn't get far before she collides with the horrifyingly resilient pedestrian, who heals themselves and ominously approaches the car. This episode features the final appearance, living or undead, of Chris Johnson as Logan Fell. Okay, that's about all I have for that. Yay. Uh, I'm excited to talk about my baby experiences with these episodes, but I think you should go first, as always, since I just talked for, like, the past four minutes. Yes. Um, so, the first time I watched this, obviously, I was crazy about Lexi. I feel like that's most people's opinions. She's just so wonderful, and she's blunt and funny, and I was just like, oh, this is gonna be a new character that is going to be around forever and I'm going to love her so much. And then obviously that was brought to a very quick close for me. Um, and I mean, I thought we were never going to see her again. So every little bit I get of her just makes me happy. Um, I remember feeling that way. Um, and then I'm trying to think of other initial reactions that I had. I had some notes, but... I've got, like, a lot of notes for these couple episodes just because I love them so much. Yeah. The, uh, what did you think of the Alaric reveal? Because that was pretty big. Yes. I mean, because, like, the whole time is, like, I kept writing vamp baiting in my notes. Oh, yeah. Because it's so many just verbal and nonverbal indicators that would lead you to believe that he's a vampire. But, and I guess this doesn't disprove him being a vampire, this scene where he stakes Logan, but... It's still cool to know that he knows about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I remember him looking at the door, and I was I was pretty sure, like, oh, he's a new vampire. And, like, that's what they want you to think, obviously. Um, so then finding out that he's not was, was pretty cool, because I was skeptical of him, definitely, at first. Um, and then... Well, it turns out you were right. It's not about a lark. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And then, um, you know, I, Jeremy and his interaction, I was happy about that. Like, I, I want better things for Jeremy. Everything's just been so, like, sad for him. So, like, looking forward to their friendship or teacher-student relationship, whatever's going to happen there, I remember thinking that that was cool. Um, uh, we get Anna who I'm excited about. Not in, not in this chapter, but I'm excited for uh, Jeremy and Anna because I really like them. Oh, yes. I can't wait for that. I love Anna so much. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that I... And my initial reactions that I had. What, what, what were you uh, feeling about Caroline? Because I know that you didn't have the best impression of her at first. By this point, were you still you know, hesitant to like her or what was going on? With the Bonnie stuff that happens, um, I definitely remember being a little bit irritated with her because there's, like, no benefit of the doubt ever given to Bonnie and, like, not very good understanding of what she's going through. I feel like Care was a little bit, like, dismissive of what she's what's going on there and then, they, you know, they sit down and they talk all about it and work it all out, and it ends up turning into a good situation. But I always want Caroline to be her best self, so 
anytime that she's kind of mean girlish, I, it doesn't make me happy. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people are equally dismissive of what Caroline has going on, so yeah. I sort of get it. Uh, I mean, yeah, every time I rewatch, I just feel for her more, uh, and how cle- how clearly she s- seeks Damon's approval and n- needs it, you know, Yeah. because he's, like, burrowed in there so far. Oh, yeah. And, ugh. Yeah, I feel for her, too, and, like, I guess I feel like that's an ongoing theme for me is just, like, Caroline and Bonnie and, like, caring so much more about them than anything else. Um, I just love Yeah, I, I mean, I was honestly, like, I like the episode Lost Girls. I also love Haunted, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, the former doesn't have Bonnie and Caroline at all, and the latter doesn't have very much of them, and I think those episodes sort of highlight that the show is at its best when it has all of its parts moving. And I think even though the Matt and Caroline stuff that starts in these episodes and then continues for the rest of the season can seem weak and forced at times, it still makes the show feel bigger in a way that I really enjoy more so than it just feeling like the Stefan and Damon show, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I always appreciate when we get good Caroline and Bonnie content. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then the one thing I had um, from my initial watch that I remember is after uh, the Selena sex scene um, when Stefan asks if she's thirsty and then she's like, she asks him back, like, what about you? Or like, you, I think she just says, like, are you thirsty or anything? And she goes, a little, you? And then she, like, giggles because she realizes, like, he is not, he does not need to drink things. Like, he's not technically thirsty ever. She's kind of like, oh, I forgot. Like, you don't. <laughs> like, And I just, I remember thinking that that was so cute. Like, her innocence and not knowing all of the things that he's going through as a vampire, but still just how cuddly and cute they are. Yes. So, as I have told you many times, the turning point, while... Now I wouldn't really call it one of my favorite episodes. One, I think it's really good, and two, it was super important to me for a very long time because I think I've said this in every episode now. I was a <laughs> very diehard Stelena fan, and this is kind of the quintessential Stelena episode in a lot of way. There are ways. There are others that you know showcase different aspects, like the Lake House stuff, especially. But man. You do not know how many times I have watched this episode (laughs) because I was totally obsessed and just trying to figure out like that. I mean, we're going to talk about this at length. Yeah. The choice of the song cut by Plum for that scene (laughs) is something it is a I don't even like words. Words do not describe i it's something that i've been trying to come to terms with for years and i just still still can't no summarize it or give my full breadth of opinion on it because wow it is so weird (laughs) and just I love it so much. Makes me laugh every time, but it's also like kind of good and kind of fits the time, but it's also really bad. It's really bad. Yeah, like really bad. Yeah. And I, <laughs> like, 
I have in parentheses. Ugh. Like, uh, I know it's. I I've, writing it down. I always think of there's this song. It's like a grindcore song called Slund Cut because it's by the band Slund. And when I was writing down Plum Cut, I kept like singing the song Slund Cut, but putting Plum Cut <laughs> in place, like kind of how Lilla changes up. Good for you. Oh yes. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Yeah, so in addition to just the Stelena obsession, I really also really liked Lexi, of course, because I actually started, you know, with in midway through season two. So the first time I saw Lexi was in Ghost World, actually. Okay. And I mean, it's not, you know, it's easy to fall in love with her in any of the episodes she's in, but... That one especially because you don't you don't really get the same sort of like feeling of history with her and Stefan here in regards to like the blood addiction thing. It feels more like flippant and like it's 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 still kind of weird to me that she would like drink human blood around him. Um, yeah, and it just doesn't it doesn't seem to like completely line up with stuff we learn later. But I mean, yeah. So I like obviously fell in love with the character and what it meant for the arc that was going on at that time. And so, you know, seeing her origins and knowing that she was going to die because she was a ghost when I had seen her first. Yeah. Um, still doesn't make it any easier because you really just hope that she won't. <laughs> and even now when I watch it, I really just hope that she won't and that this time she'll live. Oh, every time. But no. Yeah, so love Lexi and then I I can't I'm trying to remember how I felt about the seance because I remember not really being super into the like melodrama and horror adjacent stuff in season one the first time mm -hmm. so I feel like I did not like this episode as much I want to say okay. and but yeah I mean it's it's strange to like try to put yourself in that place and think about what you're thinking about. But. I know that's why it was like so hard for me to like <laughs> figure out what I was gonna say about my initial reaction. Yeah, in some way, it's it might be like easier for the people who have been watching it since the beginning because it's so much more of like a concrete tether to those memories. Mm -hmm. Like you remember what week it was, where you were, and everything like that. Oh yeah. And I don't really have that. Aside from my memory of the first episode I watched. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I I like them enough to keep watching, so I guess that's all that's really important. Yeah, and like, I didn't watch it when it was on TV at all, so I was able to just binge. So all of these cliffhangers that would have wrecked me, I, yes. I was able to just be like, I'm staying up until five in the morning, I don't care. And just yeah, all three all three of these had big cliffhangers. Yes, I wrote on like every page of my notes, episode eight, nine, ten, like whatever the cliffhanger was, like because they're crazy. It's just nuts. Like I don't know how I would have been able to make it a full week waiting for the next episode after yeah. Logan shows up at Jenna's door. Like, I just don't... Right. <laughs> how would I have made it through that? I have no idea. Yeah, because we were also talking about how... I mean, not to toot my own horn, because I'm the one who made the chapters, but I feel like episode 10, even though the one after picks up 
right where it left off. And it's definitely a cliffhanger. It feels weirdly like a good stopping place. Yeah. Where, where the way her scream is cut for some reason, like she is screaming like in the scene and you can like very clearly like see her mouths making the sound. And then there's this like very obviously overdub scream that kind of comes in Mm -hmm. for some reason. It just feels like, I don't know, maybe there was like a two week break after it or something. It just feels like a good conclusion. Yeah. But I like it could have been like around the holidays or something. Yeah. I think cuz I think for network shows it's usually the 7th episode is the like mid-season finale or whatever, which makes sense cuz that was the big one with Vicky and everything. Yeah. Uh but I'm not sure, you know, how it works or if it's different or we don't know anything about TV or TV production, unfortunately. So yeah. that's going to be the extent of most of our discussions of that. Um, I definitely remember feeling like Alaric's like progression through the episode was very satisfying for me. Like at first, I was skeptical. I was worried that he was another vampire, or someone that was going to end up being like a really bad character or something and then as he you know talked to Jeremy and then he ends up stopping the fight between Tyler and um Jer when Mayor Dick is trying to get them to fight um I just was really happy with him like I just kept like every single scene that he was in just kept drawing me into his character more um and and especially the you know, the start of the next episode is Damon rescuing Elena, but then it cuts to, uh, like, flashbacks with Alaric and, like, him writing about killing Logan and everything, and it plays Cosmic Love, which is a very weird, again, a very weird song choice uh, for the scene, but still, it's a really good sequence, weirdly, and it's another one of those just random things that sums up a lot of my TVD nostalgia. Like, it's one of the scenes I think about when yeah. I'm just thinking about like raw emotion that I feel toward it so sure. I'm excited for that but yeah I totally agree he definitely he's very likable very quickly yeah and I mean that's like kind of Alaric's main thing at least in the first half of the show is that he's likable and yeah so I think they set it up well and he definitely looks different but He's looking great, yeah, he looks especially when great. he stares down Dick in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to su- superlative that one today, probably. <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think season seven and eight Alaric needs to have a nice talk with season one Alaric to get some perspective. Because oh. he doesn't need to be such an angry, bitter dick yes. all the time. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. I, I mean, I get. I mean, it's not. It's not like he has anything to grieve or anything. But. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, I clearly get where he's coming from. Like we always say, we get it, but it, it hurts my feelings. <laughs> yeah, the the um, argument with Caroline outside of like the motel always hurts. Oh, yes, that's the when, worst. Yeah. When he says Man. that they're not her kids. Yeah, and I... Yeah. Th- that he His arc is not resolved at all. No. And, like, from what I hear from Legacies, it continues to be unresolved. Which is interesting to me because Julie clearly likes Matthew Davis... Or, or sorry, clearly likes He Shall Not Be Named quite a bit. 
And, I mean, she's, you know, kept him on for legacies, even though the actresses frequently complain about his behavior, not to mention his refusal to wear a mask on set and all that shit. Oh. But, like, if she likes him so much, why does she not write better for his character? I will just never understand why Alara continues to flounder narratively, because yeah. she's shown time and time again that she is interested in at least the actor, so. Yeah. But why does she do anything she does, so. I Yeah, we, uh, will I mean, I'd love to say that we will just not talk about the quality of the writing or the implications of the writing and just talk about the show itself, but that's pretty impossible to do because there are some pretty egregious choices, especially later on, uh, yeah, with so the hard. unholy pair that I like to call Bleck and Sleaze. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll try not to be too negative because we, you know, we genuinely love every season of the show and yeah. love it enough to, you know, do all this shit for it. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're not alone in this and I'm sure many of you have the same thoughts. So, yeah. Uh, but we can get into the episodes proper, I guess, if we haven't really already. I have a fun fact, but it's episode nine. Do you want me to wait? Uh, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, so, Alaric, since we were kind of on that topic, that was, that's why I was bringing this up, um, James Vanderbeek actually auditioned for Alaric's role, um, and Kevin Williamson knew James from, um, God, why am I blinking on the show right now? What's Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek, yes. Um, so that was like a fun fact thing that I had was that this could have been James Vanderbeek and could you imagine? Like, I did not know that. And as with every story like this, where it's like this person auditioned for this role, I really can't. No. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's sort of the case for everything. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's a single one that I've been like, eh, I could see that. Yeah, I but can't. But the, the... This show especially, just, like, I don't know exactly what it is, like, what the specific narrative mechanics are that makes this happen, but, like, every every actor just becomes their character more and more, mm -hmm. and so it's just impossible to separate that and think about hypotheticals, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, didn't, I did not know that. I, I don't think I've ever heard about anyone else auditioning for a lark, so... Yeah, and I thought it was crazy, just because I could not see... James Vanderbeek playing anything that like serious because I've always just known him as like a like kind of chilled out like main character type of person and then like when he's been side characters and things it's always been funny roles so yeah I actually I actually heard a uh, Gilbert Gottfried uh, audition for Alaric so <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> oh. uh can you imagine that <laughs> You do know your old teacher had a jackass file? <laughs> I can't see that relationship really prospering. <laughs> oh man, I can. Between Jeremy and uh, Gilbert. He's such Gottfried. a loving, calming presence. <laughs> uh, so I will take the opportunity given by this, the beginning of this episode, because we learned that it is Stefan's birthday. And. The, both the episode title and an actual line said by Lexi confirm that Stefan is 162 years old. And I don't know 
where if it's even mentioned specifically on the show or if it's just like wiki conjecture like a lot of the dates on the timeline are but his birthday is november 2nd so he's a scorpio and he turns 162 on november 2nd 2009 which means that he had to have been born on november 2nd 1847 even though his tombstone in the finale says 1846 which i, just, how I miss that I don't know, and now that I hate, now I hate that I notice because now I can never unnotice, and now I've exposed all of the people listening to this truth as well. <laughs> but if you have paid any attention throughout the prior seven and change seasons of the show, you will know that finale gets a lot of things wrong. So yeah, it's just how it is. They wanted to be epic, and they were a little too loose with it, but. Yes, they yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, we we again we have said every episode that there's gonna be a, we're gonna have a lot to say when we get there. Yeah. But yeah, so that was so like when I was thinking about this recently, I was like, is it is the episode just called 162 candles because it's a play on 16 candles, or does she actually say that he's 162 years old and she actually says that he is? What are we doing for your birthday? It's not uh, every day a guy turns 162 years old. Uh, and we know the year is 2009 from. Bonnie's text to Elena in the pilot, so take that. Yep. Uh, writers and your lack of continuity. Um, we also get her talking about his daylight ring, and she says that he and Damon are the only ones with those nifty daylight rings, which is interesting because Lexi has been around for, what, Seventh says she's 350 years old, right? Yeah. So she's been around for more than three centuries. And we know that she gets around in terms of vampire friendships because it's heavily implied that Rose and her were friends. Mm -hmm. And so that just goes to show that daylight rings are probably a lot rarer than we think. Yeah. Because like it seems like the, the two places that are covered by the shows mystic falls and new orleans are like the only places that vampires seem to have them because that's the only places where witches are and i think like the majority of vampires just don't even know that witches are a thing which is like that's the only explanation i can give other than what we've already discussed with like the purest type vampires who think that vampires should only go out in the dark just because like that's the way it's supposed to be yeah but it's like an interesting culture thing because i mean if if I were in Lexi's position, I would have made much more of an effort to get myself one of those rings. And I guess, like, maybe they just didn't have the means, but Stefan's known a few witches over the years. Like, they could have figured it out. Yeah. So, it, I just wonder, like, what the reasoning actually is besides, you know, just discontinuity. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, too, because remember Graham says... Um, they don't get into, like, vampire business or whatever. Like, they try to stay away. So I think probably, like, most witches do not want right. to deal with vampires, too. And, you know, Stefan and Damon got lucky because of Catherine knowing witches yeah. and having them on her side. And Well, it's more like they got lucky because of Emily. Because Emily was just chaotic and did whatever she yeah, wanted. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, uh, uh, Grams, Grams is all about that not getting involved in vampire business. Emily was just, she was just vibing. She did not care. Yeah. 
And then um, you mentioned the rings, so that's a little bit of lore talk. And then we get um, Lexi also, when she's having that good talk with Elena at the grill, you know, she brings up that drinking helps curb their cravings. So that's like a yes. l- little bit more, I mean, it's kind of lore, but it's just specific to vampires, I guess. And I think we we never really get like an exact answer to how much your tolerance increases when you become a vampire, but apparently it's significant. Yeah. So you have to drink a lot more, which is why they all drink hard liquor all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, she and Damon are now seeing each other for the first time since their tryst in New York in the 70s, where Damon manipulated her and left her out on the roof to burn in the sun. Uh, so it makes sense that she's not very happy with him. She doesn't mention these events specifically, but she, you know, makes it clear that she's not a fan, but also she wasn't a fan of him before he showed up in New York either. So it could have gone either way, Yeah. but it's a cool little retcon, even though I still, I still can't really imagine her falling for Damon genuinely. No, that was odd. Like seeing that and knowing her just from the other episodes that we know her from, I was just like, wow, how did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, but also, like, I would, if I spent, like, months with Damon helping him on such an intimate level, I might fall in love, too, even though I hate him so, so. I mean, I'm already in love with him, so, I mean, it is what it is. Well, yeah, but you you know what I mean. I know. (laughs) Um, I was going to mention that little, like all of them talking to Sheriff Forbes and it's like a it's like cuts to each of them having different conversations with her and uh I think Matt is it Matt that says Stefan Salvatore may know Stefan Salvatore may know (laughs) and I just like that whole part is just so funny and like it feels more dramatic than it I think it needs to be I guess there's a there's a lot of great moments like that of um Elena and Stefan, like, right after Lexi dies, what, like, literally every line they say is just so dramatic. Yes. And then Stefan caps it off with, you were right to stay away from me. You were right to stay away from me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so begins the fuckboy behavior, but it's, like, vampire fuckboy behavior, so it's a whole different breed of fuckboy. Yes. And... Wow, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Let me tell you. Like, could you imagine if real life fuckboys could c- compel people? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't want to think about like... that. I don't want to. Th- I don't want to think about if anyone could compel anyone. Right. Because I think even, <laughs> even so called do gooders would, become really awful people. Yeah. <sighs> oh yeah. I I was looking forward to bringing this up. Um. There, in every show, pretty much every show I watch, and a lot of the shows that I watch with you, there is some that I, shows that I like, that I really, really like and watch multiple times and everything. Mm -hmm. There's always, like, one thing, like, one break in verisimilitude or, like, piece of, you know, unbelievability or, like, lack of realism that always, like, makes me a little annoyed. Uh, To give examples, in The Boys... They're, like, fugitives that everyone's looking for, but they also just, like, stand out on the street and talk without disguises or hoods or anything. Yeah. 
in in the hundred, their guns are apparently just make no noise when they go off, and no one's eardrums are ever shattered by the blast of a gun, which is actually something that I, that Vampire Diaries does well because the gunshots in all of these episodes, like they feel so loud, you can like hear them echoing, and whoever like did the sound for that would did it pretty well, I yeah, think. Yeah, for sure. But. The one thing about Vampire Diaries that bothers me in that way is just how, how, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. <laughs> the, the real, the real world doesn't feel like it matters much. Like they have these big actions that they do that will most certainly affect what people in the real world see. People who are not aware of the supernatural will probably see some things that they cannot explain like when they kill Cole and his whole sire line dies. Um, yeah. I mean, and in the originals, a another one of the original sire line dies, and that is probably, you know, ten times the size of Cole's. And just like we never see, and in season seven, all the Phoenix Stone vampires come back, and the ones that get into vampire, vampire bodies just wreak havoc. And it's like we never see the implicate, or like the, the impact of these events, basically. So it's, it's like, they feel big because it's epic and it's a supernatural show, but it doesn't feel weighty in the universe of the show yeah. somehow because of that. Like, it's like there's no stakes in that we need to keep this thing a secret or whatever. Right. But all that being said, I then watched the beginning of episode 10 where Logan is out on the sidewalk and the runner named Daphne passes him. <laughs> And just that conversation makes me think, okay, maybe the people in Mystic Falls are just totally clueless and just do not have the capacity to understand what was going on, even if it was shoved right in their face. Mm -hmm. Because she was just, she, what did she say? She's like, I watch you every night. Oh, well, not recently. You've been missing from my TV. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then he says, and then he says, uh, you want to, you know something, Daphne? And she says, no, What? So she doesn't know anything no, she, by her by her own admission. So I kind of get it. Yeah. Like Mystic Falls, I guess any like southern small town, you know, people there are people just chilling. Don't really, even if something does rock the boat, they don't acknowledge it. Yeah. So I kind of get it, but still, that still kind of bothers me, and we'll talk about it more. But for sure. Anyway, that's that tangent. I had. Um... You know, Jenna and Elena on the couch joking with Jer while he's doing his homework and he's, like, telling them to quiet down because he needs to get his homework done. And they're they're both, like, looking backwards over the couch and they just look so cute and comfy and, like... They were cute uh, from the front, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. But I just think, it like, it's nice when they give us those little bits and pieces of like, happiness or, like, laughter. Just, like, a little jokey thing here and there because I feel like season one is very dark and, you know, very dramatic. Like, we keep mentioning all these super dramatic scenes. So, like, those little cute things, I just love to hold on to those for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Something something of that dies forever when Jenna dies, I think. I think. Just that, yeah. like, modicum of normalcy that's left mm -hmm. and like this like little family that they have mm -hmm. that kind of Very fades true. away unfortunately also she says jenna says some kind of replicant which means that jenna has watched blade runner or 
read the book, so that's kind of cool. Yes, and also when uh, Elena tells Jenna that um, Jer is sketching again, and she's like, or he, and then Elena's like, "Don't, don't say anything to him about it, because as soon as we encourage him, oh yeah, I forgot about this." And then Jenna goes, "Uh, psychology major, (laughs) check that." Psychology major, check that. (laughs) Which doesn't, I don't. Yeah, it's just another one of those weirdly phrased lines that it is. is somehow <laughs> great still. Yeah. I got your punk. Yeah, like exact same, same <laughs> similar energy, yeah. Exactly. Uh, we get the pillows, or the feathers, I mean. Oh my gosh. One, though, before we talk about that, who the fuck still has feather pillows? <laughs> They're not comfortable. They require the death or pain of animals. They can be torn and get mess everywhere, as we see. So just, like, why? Why would you still... I don't know. Elena, I mean, Elena does a lot of things that I'm not sure about, but that might be the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not into feather pillows. They're ridiculous. But I I I do love the way that Bonnie just like mercilessly cuts it open out of nowhere (laughs) and i mean she couldn't do that with any other type of pillow so i guess i'm okay with it (laughs) but yeah i mean we see later in season six how much this meant to elena this moment even though she doesn't tell bonnie even though i think she could because i get that it's like not her secret to tell or whatever but it's also like saying that sort of neglects her own place in it because secrets are two-sided and the person holding the secret now possesses some of it because their weight is on them so yeah i really think she would have been justified in telling her and that Stefan would have understood but i also kind of get why she didn't but still regardless just that moment of friendship with bonnie and bonnie apologizing for nothing (laughs) she's like i'm the worst and i was like you are not you are the opposite of the worst, and no. because you were gone for, like, two days doesn't mean that you're a bad friend. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she shows the magic, and she does one feather, and then three feathers, and then she puts her hands down and just, like, looks at Elena and smiles, and then they all go up, and the music is beautiful, and the lighting is beautiful, and oh, ugh, makes cry. me cry. Yeah. I cried, yes. And, I mean, just the whole scene, like you said, like, everything leading up to it. Like, Elena's sad in bed. Bonnie, Bonnie's like, let me scoot in there with you. And literally was, was first she tries to bed. take the covers off, and Elena goes, no, no. No, no. And it sounds like someone hitting a sampler twice, because it sounds the exact same. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then yeah. she like gets in there, and they both look so comfy and cute. And then the feathers, and I'm in tears. And then Bonnie, you're my best friend. I can't keep secrets from right. you. Right. Oh my it hurts. gosh, it hurts me. I everyone needs a friend like that though. Everyone needs a friend that would say, "Move over." Move over. And get into your bed with you when yep. you're feeling too sad to get out of it. Absolutely. And that is why Bonnie pretty much never has anything to apologize for even when she does um can we talk about how hot everyone is at the grill during the party 
Uh, I mean, sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Would I say no to that? <laughs> well, I just wasn't sure if we were gonna save that for later or anything. But I mean, just everyone. So Bonnie, Caroline, and Lexi all look amazing. And then, I mean, Stefan looks great. I think he's wearing a plaid shirt. Um, Bonnie and Caroline both have really like tight fitting dresses on. Lexi has a black tight fitting dress. Her makeup is Bonnie. Is, is Bonnie's a dress? I thought it was. I thought I it thought... was just like a a top, like a slim gray top with like the geometric design on it. I either oh, way, maybe. it was super hot. But she doesn't. Bonnie doesn't wear a lot of dresses, unfortunately. Okay, maybe At least in this part of the show. Uh, but yes, cares for sure. And I'm definitely going to put that gif I made of her walking up and looking at the party she made and like biting her lip in satisfaction because it's so hot and cute at the same time. Yes, the hands on the hips like, I have done it. Like, she just looks so perfect. Yeah, honestly, Elena could have sauced up a bit more before she came out because <laughs> no one else came to play. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and Lexi just looks amazing. Like she yes. was she was going out tonight and she was, I gonna, fucking, she was letting everyone I fucking know. love that scene where she's putting on makeup and talking to Stefan because she delivers the lines with like such a great sense of indifference, even though she obviously cares about him as her friend, when she says, you have some serious emotional damage. You have some serious emotional damage. It always <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> yes, and she also says, are you out of your freaking mind? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> That's when she's in the towel, which is... Oh, yes, when she is, Ugh. And then Elena calls her towel girl, and she says, I've been called work. Towel girl. I've been called worse. I've been called worse. Uh, Elena is so, like, worked up about that. I know. Oh, it's so funny. She's, like, instantly jealous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it feels, it feels, like, I don't know. Like, are there any other times where we see Elena feeling jealous like that? Because I can't think of any, and it feels kind of weird. Like, I mean, I don't think jealousy is necessarily, like, a bad thing to feel all of the time. It's like totally natural, but just yeah. doesn't feel like her somehow. Well, she's a little bit salty about Caroline and Matt. Remember? Yeah, that? yeah, that she, too. And like she says, she says, kind of like, weird, don't you think? Like, kind of weird, don't you think? Yeah, what? like that felt a little off and out of. I mean, that doesn't feel like her to me. So I feel like maybe she's just the place that she's in right now in the episodes is just. Yeah, like, I guess that makes sense. She's not doing too well. Yeah, this is a rough patch for her. Uh, I mean, if someone said, you're angry, that's good. It'll be easier if you hate me. You're angry. That's good. Be easier if you hate me. To me, I would be that pissed too, so. Oh my god. I have that <laughs> written down too, and that just infuriates I hate him so much in these episodes. He's so just... Ugh. The next one too. Espe honestly, especially the next one. But just I think the next one is the one that I hate him most. Stefan, man. I, just, just so many layers of awful. Like the, oh, yeah. just like, it's like he is, one, when someone's leaving or like distancing themselves or whatever, if they actually are going to do it and like want to do it and feel like they need to do it, they won't tell you. They won't narrate the whole fucking thing. 
what he's doing is not deserting her for her own safety. It's basically baiting her into getting him to stay, which is what happens. I don't yes. know if he's consciously doing that or unconsciously doing that, but that's totally like what it boils down to. He is like giving her an ultimatum without directly saying this isn't the ultimatum, you know? And right. another thing, he knows he loves her. He tells Lexi, like she says, oh, you love her. And he said, yeah, I do. So when Elena says that she loves him, he knows. But he yeah. doesn't say it back. He does not say it back until he needs her to not be mad at him about Catherine. So it's like he's saving up this like little bit of sweetness for the next time she's mad. Because he knows she's going to find out at some point. He lies to her face in episode 8 about it. Yeah. And just... Uh, just what what uh what does trey say in bachelor in paradise just total human trash bag behavior from stephanie oh, right now yes. <laughs> human trash bag behavior. yeah oh. oh my gosh but yeah i mean but he's also really hot when he tells logan not to threaten him so oh i was he, going he to has he, he has some wins in these episodes he, too he does i mean I think even, like, in 9, when it's, like, Brother Day, and, mm -hmm. you know, they're going back and forth almost the entire episode, mimicking each other, um, and then they're, you know, doing football and, like, all of that stuff that's going on. Like, he just, um, I mean, I don't know, he just... I love it and I hate it. So, like, I get yeah. so mad at him and I'm mad at him in this episode, just like Damon in episode eight. Like, I'm furious with him the entire time. Um, yeah. But then they have this, the little bonding moments that are all, they're all like uh, walking on eggshells. Like, what should I say? What shouldn't I say? What's real? What's not? Uh, and I love the brothers together. But I'm so mad at both of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. And plus, even when they're together, I mean, like, they have some really good scenes where when Stefan's like, it was, none of it was real Damon. And he's like, you know, you, he's legitimately trying to, like, get through to him in that way. But then mm. after that, when he's talking about how he was the last one to see her and Damon's like, well, how did you know about the crystal? Or, or, like, why didn't you know about the crystal? Did she not tell you? And he says, we had other things on our mind. It feels like they're just, like, trying to out-alpha out each other. It doesn't oh, yeah. feel like they're being, like, good brothers. It just feels like Stefan's trying to rub it in Damon's face that he was with Catherine last. Even though he doesn't... He's not invested in Catherine still the same way Damon is. He's just, like, pushing his buttons, basically. Which I guess is to get him to uh, give the information, which is what happens. Because, yeah. like, that's, like, the only way you can get stuff out of Damon is by giving him something that he needs to yeah. one-up you over. Yeah, so. too bad Rick wasn't there to tell him he was being a full-grown alpha yeah, male really. douchebag. <laughs> you look like a full-grown alpha male douchebag. I mean, Rick should just have, like, one of those, uh, what is it, the, what company has the that was easy buttons, the staples? Yes. <laughs> he needs to have one of those, really, you look like a full-grown alpha male douchebag for any time he hangs out with Damon. Because that would be very useful. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Like after he came home from stabbing Mason with the kitchen knife. Oh, that pissed me off. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, back to episode eight when, um, you know, Stefan finally explains himself to Matt and apologizes about Vicky and says... Um, 
you know, like, I was trying to help her, I'd been through something similar, like, he finally gives that explanation that Matt is owed, and then because of Matt not knowing the truth is just like, yeah, I can't count on Vicky, seems like she's just like my mom, and it's just so sad, like, it's so sad that, like, yes, his mom and Vicky both have been in bad situations and left him hanging, but it hurts to know that, like, he's talking bad about them when she's dead and he doesn't. It's also, yeah, it's also darkly funny to think about how Stefan might have, like, thought that it would assuage some of his guilt to reconcile with Matt, but then Mm -hmm. immediately after doing so, Matt makes him feel bad for killing Vicky again. So it's, like, not fixed at all. It's so perfect because, I mean... Like, Stefan deserves it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knows that he didn't have to kill her. It's, we talked about it last week. It's <laughs> On the topic of speaking ill of the dead without knowing they're dead, we also get Tyler once again uh, shit-talking and slut-shaming Vicky to Jeremy. Which like are things that he that doesn't it doesn't seem like he means them that he truly thinks those things he's just doing it to lash out at Jeremy that doesn't make it okay but it's just it's like I think like this Tyler this 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 Tyler this episode (laughs) sort of shows like starts the show where this stuff with Tyler is actually coming from I mean you see his relationship with his dad and you see the moon which is a heavy. I mean, I don't, like, I, I wonder if by that point there was anyone who didn't see the werewolf thing coming, even though it took 12 episodes for them to get there, you know? Yeah, it it's was very, it's, it's always fun. <laughs> it's funny to me to think about that because it, like, doesn't seem like something that is there, but it is, and it totally is just like, well, what else would it be, you know? Right, and it just always makes me think about what first time I was watching my, I asked my sister, like, what is Tyler's deal? You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, is he good? Is he bad? Like, what is going on? And her response was just like, like, in order not to spoil anything for me, like, ultimately, he's a good person. He's just going through a lot. And you'll understand eventually. And I was like, okay, I'll hang in there. Because I always want, like, a little bit to to keep me <laughs> interested. Like, I always ask the questions. And you know that from watching mm-hmm. shows with me. I'll say, I'll like ask Jack a question and he's just like, uh, we'll see. <laughs> like, you, you don't. Well, also sometimes I will, I will like deliberately mislead you too. So yes. Or you'll be, yeah, you'll just be like, oh, but what about that other thing that happened? <laughs> yeah, like, or I'll, I'll act like when you say exactly what's going to happen, I'll act like it's something that I never thought of. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Jer was really genuinely trying with him, and then he just punches Jer in the face, and that hit is so believable. The sound effect that they make, like, everything about it, it just feels so real. Like, it feels like Jeremy actually got punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that's never struck me any other time other than this one is how when he comes up to him after the whole fight, thing and he's like I thought that was weird back there with your dad like is it like that all the time and then he says I get it like I get it and I was wondering what that meant like and I really 
can totally see, based on what we learn about Grayson later on in the show, I can see him being that type of dad. Maybe not, like, physically abusive, because I'm sure that, I don't know, I, I mean, it's hard to speculate, but I wonder if he was not the, you know, super diamond dad that he's made out to be, and maybe, like, favored Elena because she was, like, their miracle child and didn't devote as much attention to Jeremy, and I don't know, it could be something, but it, it, it always just, it not always, it uniquely this time struck me as weird why he would say that, because yeah. I hope that he wouldn't just say that just to try to get Tyler to feel like he could relate to him, because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, telling people you get it when you don't it is kind of shitty. Yeah, and I, that is something that, like, I never really thought about before until this watch, too. So, I mean, it's it's honestly crazy how much rewatching makes you think about different things that you just never thought about or never saw. Like, I was rewatching an episode with my mom yesterday, and she was, she, like, missed an entire scene. And I was like, Mom, you need to pay more attention. Right. But then, like, then I catch myself doing the same thing with, like, little bits and pieces or just thinking more now that I'm rewatching again. Yeah, I mean, there's still stuff we miss. Like, we could do this podcast all over again and not repeat ourselves. <laughs> right. Even though we would, probably. But theoretically, it's possible. Yep. That's not a guarantee. Don't don't uh, get your hopes up, even though you probably could, because... <laughs> We w- that's t- that's something we would do. Right. And uh, oh yeah, and uh, Lexi also talks about that she went about with went out with a phlebotomist and is now gets blood from them. So that's pretty. Or she says him. He, she gets blood from him. So that's pretty badass. Relax. I didn't kill anyone for it. This phlebotomist I went out with a few times. He's my supplier. Yeah, and it's the first time that we see blood bags. Really? I don't think we've seen blood bags before. Oh, wow. Because Damon's always been just chewing Yeah, on no, people. you're right. You're right. It's just one of those things that's, like, so ubiquitous later on that I don't really think about it not being there. Yeah. Um, Lexi brings up that her love of her life was, was human, um, and that kind of foreshadows episode 11. Yes. Um, we never get his name, do we? Um... Mm, for some reason, I want to call him Brad. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, is, are you thinking it. of Bree? No, oh, no. That one. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, that, even though we don't see much with him, I just, that whole scene always gets me, just, like, imagining what that would be like. Because, yeah. you know, to Damon, it's just like, she was just a chess piece, but then this this person that she promised eternity to is now left alone, and yeah. that's so messed up. It's so messed up. Oh, we'll talk about that more next episode. <laughs> yeah, so um, sort of on that note, I was wondering if, you know, delving further into the sire bond dynamics, if... The prerequisite to siring someone is that they have to have feelings for you knowing that you're a vampire. Like, they, they are aware that you are a vampire and they have feelings either because of or despite it. 
And because I can't really think of any examples where someone was turned by someone they had feelings for, like without having that conversation first, you know? Yeah. So I wonder if that's like another thing, because as we see with human Damon, he was very much aware and in support of what Catherine was doing. I mean, he helped her like take down that carriage in the woods and everything like that. So I just wonder if that is another thing that feeds into the sire relationship, like being in love with not only the person, but like the person being that vampire. But I don't know. Because like with Vicky, like she doesn't have any kind of bond with Damon at all. Right. And he turns her and there's clearly no sire situation at all going on there. Um, so I think it's cool to think about, like, Charlotte and Elena and right. what possibly happened with Catherine and David. Yeah, like, how, how rare it actually is, even yeah. though... I mean, the only, the only like, evidence that we ever get that it's rare is Damon saying it, so, like, we should take that with a grain of salt anyway. Right, <laughs> yeah. Also, we should talk about how much I slash we love Vamp Logan, because he is bizarrely one of the most entertaining parts of episode 10 to me even though i along with everyone else absolutely hate that character but wow i don't know he he really sells the like manic not sure what's going on type vampire which we see a few more times later on in the series but he just he feels scary in a way that like isn't compromised by the fact that he himself isn't scary like you just get the sense that he could snap at any moment and just like, when Liz says, like, the, the safest place to be is, like, a crowded room full of people. And I'm like, is it, though? Because you 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 think that vampire, like, to a vampire, keeping their identity secret is always more important than fulfilling their hunger. And we see that that is definitely not the case. So, For but, sure. I mean, I guess they just don't know a lot about vampires in general. So, I guess it makes sense. But Yeah. Like, my notes as... I hate Logan, but he's so funny. Like he's he, just so, he's so that, funny. That whole that whole conversation with Damon after he shoots him, like everything he says is so good. Like okay. uh, I wrote down the exact quote when he okay. says, um, "Dude, it's not like the welcome wagon was waiting with a bunt cake and a handbook. It's been a learn as you go process." Dude, it's not like the welcome wagon was waiting with a bunt cake and a handbook. It's been a learn as you go process. <laughs> So good. And uh, I can't stop killing people. I just keep killing. And I like it. I'm conflicted. I can't stop killing people. I keep killing. <laughs> and I like it. I'm conflicted. <laughs> and when he talks about being in the hotel, watching pay-per-view, and eating oh, yeah. everything. <laughs> Every, eating everything in sight, including housekeeping. So now... I'm at the Ramada watching pay-per-view all day, eating everything in sight, including housekeeping. And then he says, uh, he said, uh, Damon says, they only found one body. And he's like, I, I, I left one. I was tired. I've been hiding the other ones. They're just piling up. I've been hiding the rest of the bodies. They're right back there. They're just piling up. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably, which is my favorite, which is my favorite. It's so good. And then he also says a thing about Jenna. He's like, all I can think about is my ex-girlfriend, and I just want to bite her, and I just want to I want to be with her and bite her and stuff. And I want to be with her and bite her and stuff. Which is so sweet, funny. because that means he loves her, but also... 
Because oh, it means yeah. he like it means like he meant what he said in yeah. family ties or whatever. But And I was know. gonna mention like Damon says magnifies instead of heightens. <laughs> well, I, they actually said that a few times. Like there's this I weirdly remember this specific moment where magnified is used because in uh, season four, episode six, when Stefan and Elena break up, he says, like, she was like, before I turned, it was this, but then after, and Stefan says, your feelings for him have been magnified. And yes. it, it's a very awkward line that is just like burned into my head. But yeah, it's, it's magnified and heightened. And if you, if you were turned into a vampire, what would you be like? In terms of well, temperament. Oh my gosh, Caroline at first. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly how Caroline is at first before Stefan helps her. <laughs> like, and, But just like you're beyond help, so you just stay like that? <laughs> yeah, like I would just be like, leave me alone. I'll stay home by myself. <laughs> I think, I, I feel like I would be... Oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. It's hard to, like... I mean, I would basically basically just be, like, Slater. I would just, like, keep learning and getting degrees and stuff if I were mortal. Oh, my gosh. That's Um, the perfect thing for you. Yeah, I'd probably probably be, like, Slater. I'd be just, like, a huge nerd about all the history and everything. Yeah. Um, How about the beginning of episode 10 when the cliffhanger again picks up right where it left off and queen jenna tells logan to fuck off basically yes oh that 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 that's good that you brought that up because it reminds me that even though the woman that logan eats who is actually i think like a somewhat famous actress i don't know what she's been in but um more so than just like the local atlanta actors that they get to play a lot of the minor parts yeah. Even though she says her name is Daphne, she is credited in the official credits on that listed on IMDb as Sexy Housewife. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious and totally unnecessary. Like, she has a name. <laughs> I know, she literally says her It's the same thing with, um, uh, like, Tiki's grandpa. Like, he doesn't get a name, he's just old man. Yeah. He should have been Sexy Old Man. Right. <laughs> sexy. That would have been perfect. Gosh, 10 That's, is so good. It's. I was literally about to say, 10 is so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Jer has his voiceover with the five for fighting song chances. His voice is so funny. And he's like reading Jonathan Gilbert's journal. <laughs> it's hilarious. The whole career night thing is funny to me because these are the type of events that my school would do. You know, like a lot of this stuff I can't really relate to because it's very Southern town type thing, like the parade and the uh, decade dances and everything. But I, we totally had, you know, multiple events like this that basically served to just make kids anxious about not knowing what they wanted to do. Yep. And you were just always encouraged to like, talk to everyone at things that you might be interested in and like get these internships lined up and everything. And I always just dreaded 
those awful things every time they rolled around. <laughs> yes, me too. And also notably absent from the career fair in general is Bonnie, because if it were up to Julie, she would have no future. So I guess that is her way of symbolically showing that. Even though they do say something about Bonnie not being there, uh, it's still yeah. weird. It is weird. Um, but then, like, Jeremy seeing the the photo that Tyler drew. Or oh, yeah. I, uh, man, so much... So much wasted potential. Can you imagine them, like, sketching together or something? That would be so cute. Well, it's just another, like, cute little thing that they have in common that would make them such good... I know. I don't know. Except Tyler totally ruins it. What is... What Jared said, it's another thing we have in common. He says, what, besides we did the same chick? Ugh, I hate that line so much. Ugh. And he also says to Matt, uh, you tap in that about Caroline, and I fucking hate that expression so much yeah i have tyler sucks so much because of that line (laughs) how do you how do you feel about this whole matt and caroline relationship in general um you know i'm not one to date a friend's (laughs) ex-boyfriend So, controversial choice so i i thought it was a little odd at first but i can see how they have similar situations care doesn't have a good relationship with her parents at this time he doesn't have a family at this point um and so the things as he's digging himself that really big hole in her bedroom <laughs> when he's explaining that he doesn't like her and oh my god <laughs> and he only got in bed with her or whatever, laid with her because she was lonely and he felt bad for her. But then he, he, you know, he fixes it a little bit with the, I get it because I've been there. And then he stands up to Tyler after all that stuff goes down and says, you know, like, I like Caroline and put your, what does he say? He says, oh yeah, quit your bromance bitch act. So stop your little bromance bitch act. Yes. So good. It's so good. Yes. And then Tyler's like, okay. I and love like, Tyler in that scene because <laughs> me I, too. you kind of, you kind of get that he's like, realizes that he has a problem. I don't know if he really like will do anything about it, but he at least knows. Yep. Yep. And the, yeah. we talked about when we were rewatching uh, how ripped Stefan is in these episodes. I forgot like, to say that earlier. I, like he just, when we were talking about how we're like pissed at him, but also not, he has so many great shirtless scenes. Just the like <laughs> sight of him coming back in shirtless in his like PJ pants with a glass of water. And I'm like, I get it's weird that his ex from 150 years ago looks exactly like you, Elena, but like, this is what you're missing out on. So <laughs> what, what do you really want from life? You gotta, you gotta decide. <laughs> You know, pick your battles, honey. <laughs> For real. <laughs> like, a, a, a lot of battles can be comfortably fought from the uh, safety of Stefan's very soft bed with his thousand thread count sheets. Is he wearing gray sweatpants? No, I think they're, I think they're like black. I don't know what material they are, but I'm pretty, they're like no. they're either black or dark blue type yeah. cozy pants. 2009 doesn't no, they, know about I, gray sweatpants. Yeah, the gray, that would be, that would be too much, I think. <laughs> We'd all be dead. Uh, speaking of too much, uh, also Elena in his shirt really uh, 
really, really, really does something to me. Yeah. <laughs> when she's just, like, oh, going yes. around his room and looking at the books and... <gasps> Being all cutesy. Oh, my gosh. I love them. Um, oh, when, uh, when For Liz Forbes says, it's a V5. that that whole scene with her and logan is so creepy and then like it all breaks with that line because that makes me laugh so hard it makes me feel a little bit bad for logan because he does say like he like he says like i was one of you you've known me since i was six and no for real like, it's so, that's so upsetting to think about how much they hate vampires to the point that they're just going to bury him in a shallow grave without telling anybody and then send emails to his loved ones. Yes. it's And it's, like, pretty, like, apparent how much the police department has, like, focused itself around this, like, vampire problem because they clearly do not give a shit about the many missing persons reports that must have been filed from everyone Logan, like, took and killed. Um, Caroline's head smash is so bad. Dude, unnecessary. Oh, he just mashes her head into that window, and Matt sees her get into the car. Yeah. So I'm like, man, why didn't Matt see that happen? Like, he could have done more. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, like, they have known each other since Caroline was super little, so I don't think anyone expected that to happen. But then Stefan also says later to Elena that, one, Caroline's fine, which I'm not sure she is. She's at least a concussion, maybe worse. But as we see many, many times, head trauma is just not really a thing in the Vampire Diaries universe, so I guess they don't really Mm. have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, And um, he also says that she knows Logan attacked her, which never comes up again, I don't think, even though it's kind of weird that that would happen. And I feel like she would have a lot of questions about it. But Yeah. There must have been some secret compulsion that we don't know about. Right. <laughs> um, um, I don't know if we've covered everything, but I just really want to get into songs right now. Yeah, so I think cool. that's what we should do. <laughs> because yeah, the only the last thing I was gonna say is just I'm surprised we don't see Logan ever again. Like Oh yeah. We see so many people when like the veil's dropped or when Vicky is coming to Matt and talking to him and all that stuff. We just never see Logan, so did he find peace and how? Because he was a shitbag. So yep. <laughs> like oh, but that was the last I, thing I was gonna yeah, say. Yeah, he's probably probably just chilling on the other side i don't know if he found peace or went to hell but who cares yeah. right <laughs> yep all right songs yes so the first one that i was thinking of that i t- kind of forgot about how much i liked it was the echo and the Bunnymen song at the beginning of episode nine it's called um i think i need it too And I've always, like, my whole life, I've always been surrounded by people who like Echo and the Bunnymen and, like, the other bands from that era. And I, they've never been one that I really got. But this song I really like because it's, like, uncharacteristically, like, radio rocky for them, which I think is 
sort of what attracts me to it. And I don't know, it's just got a really great catchy guitar riff and good vibes for the walking to school scenes that they have a lot in these first few seasons. Oh yes, that is a, it is a good one. Um, I had the song that's playing at the grill, um, in 162 Candles, Feel It In My Bones. It's Tiesto and Tegan yes. and Sarah. You are here to stay what rushes into my heart and my skull. I can't control, think about it, feel it in my bones. That one, that another, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce that. Tiesto, Tiesto. Yeah, I, I always say Tiesto. Oh, another one of their songs plays right after. That's also good. The, the just, like, ambient grill pr playlist is always on point. Like, so many of my favorite songs are just, like, playing quietly in the background or whatever. Uh, Come Back When You Can by Barcelona. There's another song that I don't really like on its own, but it's just great for that end-of-episode wrap-up montage type stuff. Like, oh, when yeah. everyone's just sobbing and being emo, and then yep. Caroline and Matt are just munching on cookies and chips. Yeah, that's the that's the other one I had written down. So, okay, perfect. <laughs> you got mine. And obviously I said, ugh, to cut by Plum. Yes. I like uh, another one playing at the grill is Tokyo by Telekinesis. Like, a few of their songs, I think it's the guy's solo project, I want to say. A few of them play, like, a, I know one plays at the, like, bridge fundraiser in season three. And then I think that's about it for me, other than yeah. just the fact that uh, Plum, or Cut by Plum, is one of the great mysteries of our age, I think. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like sort of has sort of feels like an evanescence song with those like really cheap string patches that are like twinkling on the sides and then the like really melodramatic lyrics and everything but it's like yeah. feels so much cheaper like it's blaring from some five dollar speaker in the back of a hot topic in 2006 <laughs> and i just but it also doesn't feel like that because it's so like piano ballad -y and melodramatic yeah. so oh, what a what a just bizarre song in general and a bizarre choice for a sex scene because who wants to say that they are cut when they're getting down with their soulmate right. for the first time yeah it's like I, that's what i wrote was just like stelena deserved better <laughs> like, for real yeah, I mean, we mentioned it with Gravity, which is another song that's, like, okay, but it's just, just kind of not, not a really, not a great kissing song. I don't know. Yeah. Time to time again. I mean, Selena gets a lot of, like, screen time and everything. I don't think they're robbed in general, but. Right. From the music side, lots of weird stuff. And also, I wrote down this specific line from Cut that doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> tears. Uh, the tears that still drip sore, S-O-R-E, as in, like, sore, hurting, whatever. What the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. It's just another another piece of the puzzle that I do not want to solve. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, and uh, I guess uh, before we get too far away from the actual episode talk, I forgot to mention uh, when Rick confronts Logan and Logan says, I know you think this makes you pretty... I know this makes you... I Holy shit. I know you think this makes you brave, but it actually makes you pretty stupid. And Rick goes, either way, here I am. Either way, here I am. <laughs> it's another another great, like, that just is so, like, a subtly charismatic thing that just makes you really like him, even Love though you don't really know Rick. what his whole deal is. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we also didn't talk about how Damon says the meanest things to care in 162 Candles. Yeah. It's it's horrible. Horrible. I don't even know, like, what to say. Because it's, it's it's, like, different than the other things that we've discussed so far in that it's just... I mean, again, it's, like, something that is horribly familiar to a lot of people especially women in the real world of Mm -hmm. like men when something doesn't go our way or some like image is shattered or like things don't conform to plans or anything pretty much any minor inconvenience results in some sort of like awful aggression toward a woman and damon is no different i mean like one minor inconvenience like he can just go get the necklace himself. Why does he have to have her do it for him? And she already did this whole party. And he just, he wants to say those th- those things to himself, but he doesn't. He says it to her. And it's just the most yeah. awful thing that could possibly have happened in that moment. Because she was like almost getting to where she was over him. And then, mm-hmm. ugh. I yeah, hate him. Definitely. I hate him. For sure, I hate him too. That's what I, like, I think I said last episode, like, oh, I hate Damon in this episode. And then I realized, I wrote that again for episode eight, and then I wrote it again for episode nine, and then I scratched them all out, and I said, I hate Damon in season one. Yeah. Like, in just all of season one the entire time, I just hate Well, a lot, I, a lot of the second half is better. Uh, especially, is, yeah. especially, like, um, once... Stefan gets kidnapped and then gets back on the blood train. Yeah. Like, I mostly think about, like, I think kissing Elena, or who we thought was Elena, was shitty. But the, like, I'm thinking about when they finally lock Stefan up and he, like, sits down with Elena outside of the cell. And, like, he just, like, moments like that show you that he does know what it takes to be a good and caring person. And, like, it is possible if he can. Yeah work himself out of that awful pit of assholery and murder. For sure. Yeah, so, all right, so we did the playlist, so I guess all that's left is... Superlatives. Our superlatives. I hope this is something fun for everyone, because I know I like uh, finding nominations and picking them every time, so... Yes, me too. Yippee. I think we'll start with... Uh, red flannel because we talked about fashion already a little bit or not yeah. fashion because we don't know shit about fashion but clothes <laughs> yes um so man i, I sh- now i'm now i don't know whether the, whether bonnie's dress was or whether it was a dress or a top or not i'm gonna look real quick <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm literally pulling up netflix on my phone um 
but also her like loose like white it's like a blouse with like a like blue um embroidery on it when she's showing elena the feathers i think is really pretty and she just looks absolutely beautiful in that scene her like hair is done really well it looks natural and the split ends are or not split ends but um flyaways are like just mm-hmm. like perfectly haloed around her head and then just that whole scene is so bright and makes me feel really good yep i had her on my list for that too i also had pajama bonnie when she wakes up from the dream yes all her pajama fits were so good And then care in the purple dress. Of course. Man, when she... I mean, obviously we talked about Matt putting his foot in his mouth big time in her room. But him, like, carrying her out of the bar is, one, really sweet, and two, hot. (laughs) Yep, hot. That was on my list for another superlative. Oh, nice. (laughs) okay it really looks like a shirt to me okay but i'm trying to find (laughs) there's like a point where she stands up from a table and walks with oh no you're right it totally is a dress it's just a dress with like t-shirt sleeves yep all right so definitely that one that's even better than what i thought yay uh, yeah, they both yeah, I mean, and every everything she wears like makes that nef- ne- Netflix. I said it again. I think I did that last time. Makes her <laughs> necklace did. makes her necklace look really good with her collarbone. <laughs> That's awesome. My, and my other one is episode eight to Caroline with the pigtails and the plaid purple skirt mm. and the cream uh, cardigan. Yes. Anytime oh, Kara wears a skirt, it's it's gonna be great. Yes, when we, Lilla and I just watched the episode together, and she was just like, oh my god, Kay, Red Flannel Award. Aw, she's, <laughs> she's thinking the right way now. Yes, she is. I will give my top two, and I'll let you pick, because mine's got to be just Karen Bonnie's dresses for the party. <laughs> I agree. Um... Can we tie them? Yeah, why not? Yeah, let's tie because we love them so much. Spread the love. We make the <laughs> rules. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Okay, right. so next we have a uh, host and fan favorite, Plan C, Sarah, oh, for, of favorite. course, the best uh, delivery of a line. Um, I already mentioned... Lexi's, you have some serious emotional damage when she's just like doing her makeup and like kind of casually talking to Stefan. I I really yes. fucking love that, and I also love uh, Logan's, which I again already mentioned. I've been hiding the other bodies; they're just piling up. <laughs> I love that line too. Um, I have. Why are you such a little liar, Bonnie? Why are you such a little liar, Bonnie? Oh my god! I can't believe I didn't. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Why are you such a little liar, Bonnie? It's so good. And Elena's like, oh. Caroline? <laughs> right? She's like, calm down, girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, honestly, everything, like, obviously, uh, 
it reeks of awkward subtext was in the intro, but everything in that first conversation with Matt is gold. Like when she's like, you said, you said, hey, earlier. And then you said, hey, now that is two hey's. The, hey, that's twice. That is two hey's. That, do you have any other words in your vocabulary? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so good. I love her. Uh, yeah, she she also just was full of, or I guess that was episode nine because she, everything she said at the seance was great too. When she told Bonnie to call on Emily, and Bonnie said, "Emily, you there?" And Caroline said, "Really, <laughs> Emily, you there? That's all you got?" Emily, you there? Really, Emily, you there? That's all you got? <laughs> I love that part so much. Um. And I also had, I'm a kiddie pool. I'm a kiddie pool. <laughs> From Care. Just that whole part. Man, all of the all of our all of our nominations are gonna come just from that party. Because mine another one of mine was when Lexi asks Damon what his true reason for coming to Mystic Falls is, and he says, I have a diabolical master plan. I have a diabolical master plan. Oh, that one's good too. Um I have a episode nine one. Um, oh, okay. When Damon is mimicking Stefan and says, You're so mean. You're so mean. You kill everybody and you're so mean. You're so mean. Because he can't, he doesn't have anything else I mean, to say. I mean, he said, You're so hard to imitate, and then I have to go to that lower place or that lesser place. Yeah. You're really hard to imitate, and then I have to go to that lesser place. Yes. Um, and then I have an episode 10 one, and then I'm done. Um, when Damon and. Um, Logan are talking and Damon decides he's gonna let Logan go and he's like make it look real make it look mm -hmm. real take me down make it look real make it look real <laughs> he, says it, he says it twice to make sure yeah. even though I'm pretty sure he could do literally anything in that moment and Liz would still believe him because she is the most gullible sheriff ever yep um I think my vote is for Logan because that was the one that made me laugh the most Oh, yeah, and the piling up, the bodies yeah. piling up. Yeah, I agree. I love that one so much. Okay, cool. So he leaves with one award. I guess that's fitting. Yes, bye, Logan. <laughs> bye, we won't miss you. I, I'm, doing, I'm, doing, I'm doing the wave that he does to Stefan, where he just, like, flaps <laughs> his fingers. <laughs> See you never, Logan. Um, yay. All right, which All one do right. you want to do next? Let's do... Chad from third period. Okay, I'm excited for I this only, one. I have only two, I think. Okay. Okay, and I think one of them we share, and I think we'll win. So. Which ones? Um, Daphne. Right. Sexy housewife. Then, yes, sexy housewife, and then um, the bartender that loses his job. That <laughs> Lexi just fucked over. Yes. Yeah. So it's like that. So that illustrates why you have to be careful with compulsion because I feel like, I don't know, it's not super clear how it works, but I think a lot of times when the person doing the compelling is not thinking fully of what they want the other person to do as much, it leaves it more open for interpretation. So while she yeah. was probably thinking just don't check my ID, it translated in his head as don't check anyone's ID. Yeah. So that's like an interesting thing and it's just i love that how many times that happens where a vampire just carelessly ruins someone else's life like damon basically does it to matt by killing tanner and vicky yep although that's a bit more of 
a conscious effort. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and then I also had um, Damon's, like, the, the guy of the couple that Damon attacks, where he's like, or the girl's like, did you hear something? He's like, nah, baby, no one's coming down here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good. And then also the math teacher from the beginning of episode nine oh, in Bonnie's yes. dream. Yes. Because not only because one, she for some reason has a credited name. She's Mrs. Halpern. So, so we have this woman who literally gives her name in the show and is not credited as her name. And then we have this woman who was not named in the show at all, but is named in the credits. So I thought that was right. funny. And I also wrote down the entire bit of the lecture that she gives that we hear because it makes no fucking sense. And I'm going to read it right now. <laughs> yes. Today we're going to talk about shadow reckoning. This is a method of measuring heights by the sun's shadow. Let's say, for example, that we're going to measure the distance of the shadow. We're going to take this measurement here, measure the length, and we're going to multiply that by the height of the source. What? <laughs> what? Does it make any sense? So, right, so shadow reckoning is like one, a super archaic thing that would you would only learn about in junior year trig because it's absolutely useless. Uh, but... Basically, you like to measure the height of something, you measure the, the, the length of its shadow, and then you have something that you do know the height of, and you measure that the length of that thing's shadow, and also the angle of incidence or whatever, and then you use that ratio to find the height of the other thing. So what she was saying makes absolutely no sense, and I just love the idea of the teacher just being up there and having to ramble, or like the actress having to ramble while the scene plays out, and... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I find it so funny, but I just really do. It is. Like, all of that little background stuff that the show does that, like, doesn't actually make any sense. Yeah. It's really funny. Uh, and then also... Oh, no, I think that's it. I think that's I, that's pretty much every throwaway character that's credited. But it obviously okay. has to go to Daphne. Daphne. You've been For missing sure. from my TV. You've been missing from my TV. <laughs> That's, this, that's what I say to Vampire Diaries every time I watch it since it ended. <laughs> okay, and then... Alright, so I guess we'll do... Did you want to do Stefan and Morning as well? Yes. Okay, because there is a lot of shitty behavior in these oh, episodes. Yeah. And I think... So for this one, I guess it's a little bit ambiguous as to what we mean by shitty behavior. And I think we should restrict it to familiarly shitty things. So like... Damon killing Lexi, or Logan bashing Caroline's head against the window. Like, those are obviously shitty, but they're not really things that we are familiar with in everyday life. But stuff like Damon calling Caroline stupid, shallow, and useless, or Tyler slut-shaming Vicky. Like, these are things that real people do all the time. And so, these are the things that we should, like, pick out, I think, and condemn. Um, yeah, so uh, th those are obviously two of mine. Uh, if you want to go with some of yours. Yep, so, yeah, that was one of mine, the me the shallow comment to care. And then the other is, it'll be easier if you hate me. Oh, my God. I and hate him so <laughs> much, dude. <laughs> I know. Like, it's just, oh, it's something that I've heard before. Mm -hmm. Something that's been said to me. Yeah. Like, it's, it's the same, it's the same shit as, like, 
you're too good for me or I don't deserve you or whatever. Yeah. Like them, them telling you what you think without actually saying that, you know, just roundabout ways of manipulating and gaslighting and yeah. And then I also had Dick Lockwood and the whole situation outside. Yes. Um, yes. Just, yeah, just that entire scene, like everything that he does in it. He is just absolute trash. Uh, uh just total human trash bag behavior. <laughs> Exactly. And then, uh, to cap it off, I also had, uh, Matt getting with Caroline, even though they're not, like, super serious yet, but, like, he's definitely hanging out, and he tells Tyler that he likes her, but he clearly has, still has feelings for Elena that he hasn't worked out yet. And, as we see later, he's gonna fuck around with Caroline, because he still has those feelings for Elena, and she's gonna get hurt again. Yep. Did not like that, either. I mean, I think... You know, Matt's just, like, sort of like a, a himbo-type person sometimes where he doesn't necessarily mean to mess up, but he does all the time. Yeah. But here it's just, like, again, something that you just see over and over again. And right. is easy to, you know, connect to something in your own life. But, For of sure. course, we have to give it to Damon because this might be just... Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so awful and vicious I, and vindictive and unfair. Like, I couldn't even write down the stuff that he said yeah. because it made me so upset. So all I wrote was Damon saying the meanest things to care. Like, I, I just couldn't do it. Like <laughs> Yeah, we got to find a better way to like, because this isn't an award. This is a... Uh, so the opposite, whatever the opposite of an award is, we take one of their awards away whenever they get this one. Yes. <laughs> or this it's just a, a it's just a giant hammer that we use to break one of their trophies. <laughs> but oh my gosh, yes, poor yes. Caroline, she does not deserve that. Not at all. And like all. this is like the one time or two times I guess in these episodes where Stefan does anything to help Caroline. He, like, half-assedly says, stay away from Caroline to Damon when he says she's throwing the party, and then he rescues her from Logan. Yeah. But, like, he's really doing the bare for minimum sure. there. For sure. And still, still no one has given her for vain. Oh, yeah, that, oh my god. I said that when we were, we were watching in our chat. Like, how, after everything that happened... Yeah, Stefan knows that Zack had the vervain, and I don't think Damon, like, hoarded all of it and hid it away. Like, he could figure it out. Right. And, like, he, yeah, I mean, he could split what he gave to Elena, you know, give a little bit to her. Especially after she was left laying dying on the ground at Founder's Day. Like. Right. Right? Oh, my gosh, it's it's infuriating. Um. Um, well, not at Founder's Day, at the. Founders party, Founders right? party, my my bad, okay. yes. Founders party. At the <laughs> they all they 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 have like three different versions of the same thing. <laughs> right, these southern towns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, and then to end things on a brighter note, yes. or a hotter note, we have the classic Little Miss Catherine, for mm. which there are many a nomination in these episodes because everyone is looking real good. So good. I of course had Lexi and her towel. Because Ariel Kebble has great skin and great shoulders, and she's showing them off. Uh, so. Cares like satisfied 
survey look slash lip bite when she's looking out over her party that she planned. Oh, yes. Uh, and then my last one for episode eight, just Stefan playing pool, because everyone looks good playing pool, but <laughs> especially him. So true. All right. I had Jenna. Um, mm-hmm. Episode nine. I just, she's just looking perfect at when she meets Rick and it. I just couldn't imagine a better meet cute for them because they're just, she, she just looks so great. I think that's probably the best she ever looks in the whole show. Oh wow! I know, and I maybe it's just. I, I me. love I love her look for the uh, for the fifties dance. Oh, she does look great for that. All right, I'm gonna have to reassess, but that's still on my list for today. Yeah, that's quite the claim. I know. <laughs> Sorry, it was something about her face. I just was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> just something about her face. It maybe was. the hotness of it. Right. <laughs> I think it was more. It was her eyes. It was the way her eye makeup was done. I know she just looked very. It was just like soft makeup vibes, so it wasn't overdone or anything. I just loved it. Um, and then I also have just the moment that Stefan is um, telling Logan off. Mm-hmm. And it's just the whole, like, everything that he says, like, I mean, he says, you want to know how you can walk around in the sun? You can't. You Don't can't. ever threaten me again. And it's just... Oh, so hot. <laughs> like, I can't control myself. Um, and then horny eyes Stefan again. Oh, I, that that's more like sweet to me because I always like think about Elena's eyes and how much love there is in them. Yeah. And how just that scene alone like sells the whole relationship. Yep. Because Man. she's just like, I accept you, don't hide from me. And he just yeah. turns around and lets her have it. And I mean, it's just... He <laughs> just it. turns around and lets her have it. <laughs> um, I think that's all I had. I can't believe that uh, you didn't have the Bayman conversation in episode 9. When he's like trying to get the necklace from her, oh, and he's like and he, getting real close. Yes. Oh my gosh, I should have put that down. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking about, like, specifically thinking about, like, the way he grabs the door and opens it for her, and he's yes. and he's like leaning over top of the door as he's t- and he like shoes her into the car. Just like his mannerisms, his movements, and everything is just so hot. Yeah, I definitely should have written that down. <laughs> I, it's, I love just, like, anytime someone gets, like, threatened or roughed up by Damon, like, even dudes, like, it's scary, obviously, and, but, whether it's the actor or the character or both, they're always kind of like, okay. (laughs) There's always that, like, little hint of, okay, I'm, might be sort of into this, (laughs) um, you know. Yeah. Uh, In some cases, no, but in other cases, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that obviously never justifies anything that he does. No, um, obviously. And then, uh, apart from everything you said, I also had uh, Rick alphaing Dick and also Elena and Stefan shirt, which I already mentioned. Yeah. I should have put Rick down now that you say that because, yeah. I mean, I had that whole thing written out because I wrote, I wrote King Rick saves the day. <laughs> I think, though... We might have to give it to Lexi because she hasn't won an award yet and we're not going to be able to give her any more awards. So 
we maybe just give it collectively just for her whole episode appearance. But we could give her more awards maybe in the future, but I still agree that we can give it to her today. No, that's what I'm saying, but it's going to be a while. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so I think it has to go to, even though she hates Catherine and would not want an award named after her. Right. Uh, she, <laughs> she, gets it. she would use some choice words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she says a little bitch. Yes, exactly. Huge little bitch. <laughs> so funny. Oh, I love that little bitch. Wow. Once again, two hours feels like ten minutes. Yeah. It's crazy. Man, these are good episodes, and I can't, I cannot wait, just uniquely for so many of the next chapters, but especially the next one, because we have a very special guest that we're excited about, and also, those are some good episodes. Oh, I'm so excited. I cannot wait for next episode. Yes, I hope that it just being us two today was not too boring, and I'd like to thank, or we'd like to thank everyone still trucking along and tuning in every time we upload. I know every two weeks is kind of slow, and hopefully we'll be able to ramp it up in the future, but Kale and I are both super busy right now, as we mentioned. Yeah. Um, I just started a new job, and you're super busy at yours. Yeah. And some other stuff going on, so we're doing our best, and also Christmas is coming up, so that's always a toss-up in terms of free time versus busyness, and usually it's like a mixture of both, weirdly. Oh, yeah. Mom life is tough around the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> There's constant events. Don't I know it. <laughs> yeah, Jack knows all uh, about But it. <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. I, I am almost as much as the women's champion as Stefan is. <laughs> um, in other news, we are one away from 15 Spotify followers. Hey. We have received exactly zero net gain Instagram followers since last episode, but that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> and we have received our first listeners from a majority non-English speaking country. There are some people in Germany tuning in. Yay. And to them, I say thank you very much. And it's exciting to know that our words are branching out to new and exciting places. Yes, it's so fun for us. And we hope that it's fun for you too. Yeah, I uh, once again want to reiterate that we will have anyone on as a guest, no matter if you know, I've, everyone's been telling me like they, they don't have anything to say or they don't know the show that well. And I mean, I'm sure you've been able to tell from the episodes where we have had guests, it's just a conversation. You can talk as much as you want to. And I think it's really a lot of fun. And maybe, you know, if you just want to talk to us, we don't even have to record. You can just chat for a bit and see how you like it or whatever. And, but yeah, we just want to make friends. That's Definitely. the long and short of it. For sure. All right. Well, thank you, Caroline, for taking care of me. JK out. We don't eat until your father's at the table We don't drink until the devil I'm gonna tell you the rest tomorrow Never once has any man I've met been able to So if I were you, I'd have
have our little trouble.